Welcome to the Prevention Podcast, where we talk to people in and around Jefferson County about prevention topics. I'm Emmy Reiner, the host of this podcast, and today for our guest, we have Lisa Dunham. She is a licensed clinical social worker and the CSCS supervisor in the Child Adolescent Division at Jefferson County. We're going to be talking today about ACEs, or Adverse Childhood Experiences, and their impact on substance misuse and other health outcomes. Um, Lisa, can you tell us a little bit more about ACEs? Yeah, absolutely. So um, ACEs, or Adverse Childhood Experiences, it actually started, um, the research kind of started by happenstance. These two doctors, Dr. Anda Anda and Filetti, in about the mid-1990s, which um, apparently was a longer ago time than I thought because I see mid-90s as 10 years ago, but it's not. It's a lot longer than that. (laughs) But um, they were doing a weight loss program for Kaiser Permanente for the HMO. And what they realized was that as individuals were involved in this weight loss program, many individuals were losing a bunch of weight and then putting it back on. And so Dr. Anda couldn't really figure out why this was. And so he started researching a little bit more and a little bit more. And what he found out was that individuals in this program who were losing weight and then putting it back on pretty quickly um, all had a lot of things in common. And what it came down to was these adverse childhood experiences or ACEs. So the research kind of took off from there. And ACE currently is a 10 question screening tool. And again, developed back in the nineties, they've replicated this study over and over and over again. And we always come up with, with very, very much the same results. So, (coughs) excuse me, what they found was they tested or asked people about 10 different adversities or traumatic experiences they may have um, experienced in their childhood from age zero to 18. And they were pretty surprised at the outcome. So out of those 10 questions, about only about a third of people had experienced none of those traumatic events. About a quarter of the people asked had experienced about one. Um, and then 64% had experienced more than one ACE. So they really realized, wow, adversity and trauma in childhood is a lot more common than we thought. It's kind of hidden a lot of times. The questions on the ACE survey are things that families tend to not talk about or kids are told to not talk about. So as they kind of continued their research, what they found was that ACE scores of four or more kind of seem to be the tipping point in terms of adverse health outcomes. So what I mean by that is if I have an ACE score of four or more, and I know we're going to talk in a little bit about how to take your own ACE score, but if I have an ACE score of four or more, my likelihood of developing emphysema as an adult increases by 400%. If I have an ACE score of four or more, my risk of attempting suicide increases by 1,200%. So what we found is this, this ACE survey, these ACE studies can predict some health outcomes later on in life. Everything from broken bones to more marriages to addictions And kind of the coolest thing that came out of this is Dr. Anda has this famous quote, which is what's predictable is preventable. And what he means by that is we replicated this study over and over and over again. So we know that adverse health outcomes are related to childhood adverse experiences. And since we know that now, now we can go about fixing it. 
Now we can go about trying to solve this so that we don't see that correlation anymore and so that we can kind of make a change to this. It really is important, and I'll just tell you for my own being why I got interested in this research is that um, I started off at the CSP here at Jefferson County Human Services, which is the community support program, and we serve individuals with chronic and long-term mental illness. And what we found, or what I noticed, was that a lot of individuals that I was working with are maybe in their 30s or their 40s, and they're developing um, what, what I refer to as old people diseases, but I'm sure there's a much more um, health-focused term for that. And dying at a lot earlier age. And the ACE study comes out and, and really describes that perfectly. If you have an ACE score of seven or more, on average, those individuals die 20 years earlier than someone with an ACE score of zero. So this can affect health outcomes throughout our lives. And again, going back to that, what's predictable is preventable. How can we now turn the corner around that? Now that we know what is likely, how can we make changes? So what is the highest ACE score that one can obtain? Yeah, so the highest ACE score one can have is a 10. So the ACE questionnaire in and of itself is 10 questions. And the way it's set up is it's 10 yes or no questions. Did you or did you not experience this before you were 18 years old? And so for each of the 10 questions, if your answer is a yes, that's one point. And if your answer is a no, that's just a zero, no points. Um, and for example, one of the questions has to do with verbal abuse. Were you verbally abused, called names, or insulted by a caregiver when you were growing up? Now, if I was called names by a caregiver for five years of my life and that wound up being, I don't know, 900 days of being called names, that still is only one point or one yes on the ACE questionnaire. So there's 10 questions specifically, did you experience this before age 18? Highest someone can score is a 10 and the lowest someone can score is a zero. I think another thing that's important to point out about the questionnaire is that a lot of times people um, tell me, well, this is, this is a little bit subjective, isn't it? Um, I may have been, I don't know, called a name by my dad when I grew up and I didn't consider it an insult, but somebody else might have considered it an insult. And my answer to that is always, yes, absolutely, it's subjective. So oftentimes when I'm, when I'm teaching about ACE scores and people say to me, well, Lisa, does this, does this count? Is this a yes or is this a no? What I say is that it really depends on you. If I'm taking the ACE for myself and I'm recalling something, and I'm just going to go with this example of verbal abuse, I'm recalling something that my parents said to me when I was younger, and I considered it insulting, hurtful, or verbally abusive, then yes, my score is a one for that. Maybe my sister or my brother experienced the same exact thing, and they did not consider it to be hurtful or overwhelming or verbally abusive or insulting, their score might be a zero. So there are pieces of this that are subject to my own experience and what I went through. One of the ACE questionnaires is related to whether you have had a parent or parents who have divorced and other, and other questions relate to whether one or more parents have been incarcerated. And I'm just wondering, because these questions are scored the same, how are they taken into account in terms of how the questionnaire is analyzed? 
Yeah. And I think you point out, you actually pointed out a really great example. Um, and the, it kind of, the study shows its age, right? Being in the nineties, one of the questions is were your parents ever separated or divorced? Um, now I often have kids take this test and say to me, well, my parents were never married. So of course they were never separated or divorced because they were never together. Um, and so they say, well, how do I score that one? And again, we just kind of go back to, well, okay. Did one of your parents, was one of your parents not present more during your childhood or whatever it may be? Um, and the great news is there's more and more research coming out now saying, yeah, the ACEs are not all encompassing. There are traumatic experiences that we may have had in our childhood that's not on this. And that doesn't mean that your childhood was not traumatic. That doesn't mean that it doesn't count as a hardship. It just means that that doesn't happen to be one of the 10 that were studied originally. So let's talk about protective factors. Um, you know, there are many people with adverse childhood experiences, um, but some people are able to overcome some of them. Um, so there must be some protective factors perhaps that are maybe really important to have that can sort of counter some of these adverse experiences. And can you talk more about that? Absolutely. Yeah. So here at the CCS, when we screen people for ACEs, we also do what's called a resilient screen. And we happen to use the research of Dr. Michael Unger. He wrote a book called Change Your World. And just like there's an ACE screening tool, there's a resilience screening tool. And resilience factors, the cool thing about resilience factors is that they can be things that more are more kind of natural personality characteristics or they can be really concrete things, or they can be things I can learn. So for example, one of the resilience factors is, do I have access to healthcare, to affordable, safe healthcare? So a really cool thing about that is that those of us in human services can help make that happen for somebody who may not currently have access to safe, affordable healthcare. Same is true with having access to healthy foods, or even just to be perfectly honest, foods in general, those are all resilience factors. Other resilience factors though, might be a little bit more difficult. For example, one of the questions on there is, do you feel a sense of belonging um, in your community or with those around you? And that one might be a little bit more difficult, right? If I don't feel like I belong in my community, pardon me, it's not as easy as getting some food vouchers or you know, getting hooked up with a primary care physician that I haven't been able to see. That might involve me really taking a look at my family of origin or my environmental community or um, my lineage, my parenthood, my friend groups, and maybe even learning some skills too, whether that's in therapy or in school, learning some skills as far as healthy communication, coping with stress and all of that. And interesting, kind of when I was studying up for this podcast, Emmy, one of the things that I found was um, they were tying ACEs back to likelihood of alcoholism and likelihood of developing alcohol use disorder. And one thing that was brought up in this study, it was a 2008 study, is they said, although somebody with an ACE score of four or more is seven times more likely to develop an alcohol use disorder, we also need to take into consideration that if we're running an underage drinking prevention program, it's not gonna work just to tell kids not to drink. What we need to add to that is how kids can cope with their stressors and cope with their adversities. Because if we just tell someone not to do something, 
without replacing that unhealthy or ineffective behavior with a healthy or effective behavior, they are not going to be able to develop that resiliency and develop those factors. So I thought that was really interesting and also a great way to look at it is that we can't just teach people ACEs are bad, trauma is bad, because to a degree, some stress is good. We do have to replace it, though, with how can you cope in a healthy manner and how can you access the tools you need to be resilient and get through this? So these are some really great reminders for us in the prevention world where we're trying to prevent youth from um, using drugs and alcohol. But yes, we can't just tell youth not to use alcohol. We have to help them build up their protective factors, help them handle some of the stress and um adversities in life. So moving on though, Lisa, how can people find out about their A-score? Yeah, great question. So you could go ask your provider, you could ask um, a therapist. My hope is that one day all primary care doctors are going to be asking people their A-score. I have to, if it's okay, put a, put a plug in here for my favorite author and my favorite researcher, Dr. Nadine Burke-Harris. She's a pediatrician out in San Francisco, and she actually enacted legislation that all um, children be receiving ACE questionnaires at their pediatric well-child checkups. So I'm pretty excited about that because ultimately this is a prevention program based on what the child scores. They offer educational materials to to parents. Um, And also if parents are interested in their ACE score, they do the same for them. So I think that's a really cool, cool thing they've got going in California. But If I'm interested in, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. So what barriers are there for these types of screening tools to be um, implemented in the clinic setting? Um, Because, you know, youth are usually in the clinics with their parents and they might not want to answer some questions, for example, of things that might be happening. Yeah, that is a wonderful question. So the the way that they do it at their clinic is I, I call it doing this, the questionnaire blindly. Um, but what she does is if a child is too young to answer on their own or too young to read, um, they hand the questionnaire to the child's parent. And what they say to the parent is just look over these questions for your child and just tell me the number of yeses they have. So they're not asking specifically, has your child uh, witnessed abuse or have you ever physically abused your child? What they're asking is, just tell me what the number is. And let's say the number is four, then the doctor is documenting that number, documenting it as a risk factor and offering supports to the family. And they have um, on Dr. Burke Harris's website, which is acesaware.org, they have great examples of kind of the handouts and things that they're giving to families. But what they're doing is they're really trying to take away that likelihood that somebody would not disclose something um, because we're not asking further. And as a matter of fact, at our outpatient mental health clinic and through CCS here, that's exactly how we do the ACE questionnaire as well. I will say more often than not, people will tell me which, which answers are yeses and which answers are nos, but we're not asking that off the bat. Um, it's been found to be a lot less, I guess, threatening is the best word for it. And if somebody chooses to disclose more, that's great. But if they choose not to, that's fine as well. Thanks for that information, Lisa. So at some point in this podcast, I know you're going to share with us how we can find out about our ACE score. If we go on, if you go on to aces2high.com or acesaware.org, 
either one of those, um, or you can literally Google what's my ACE score. But in short, it's, it's the 10 questions and they ask about verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional neglect, physical ne neglect, pardon me, divorce or separation, witnessing physical abuse of a parent, having a parent who has a substance use disorder, having a parent who has a mental illness or incarceration of a parent. Those are the 10 questions asked. So this is obviously a great screening tool, but wouldn't you say that it's really helpful for professionals to know about ACEs and just to have that understanding, even if they can't implement the survey or uh, even if they don't know a child's ACE score, just to know that adverse childhood experiences might impact you know, the child they're working with? I think I cannot stress enough um, the fact that ACEs are not destiny. So you mentioned people in the health pain profession. Not only do I think that all of us in the helping profession should know about ACEs, but I think all of us should know our own ACE score too. Because what can happen is if I'm in a helping profession, uh, there's a reason that all of us got into the work we did, right? Maybe, maybe we were a kid with higher ACEs or maybe we were a kid with zero ACEs, but knew someone who had higher ACEs and we wanted to be there to help them in the future. Whatever it may be, if we're aware of our own stresses and vulnerabilities, we're going to be better able to help someone else with their own stresses and vulnerabilities. And so it is really, really important for all of us to know and recognize and understand our own ACE and resiliency, as well as understand how ACEs can impact, um, you know, a child's health outcomes, a child's relationships. Um, I think teachers see this very, very frequently. So for example, if I'm a four-year-old and I have a higher ACE score and maybe a couple of my ACEs are that I witness physical abuse of a parent and I'm physically abused as a child. When I go to 4K and a kid is on the swing that I want to use, I don't yet have the communication skills to say, hey, can I take a turn on that swing? I have likely learned that you solve your problems through violence. And so I'm going to push that kid off the swing. Now, some people may respond to that by putting me in timeout and yelling at me. And I still don't know what I did wrong because this is how we solve problems. Or some people might say, hey, this is a great learning opportunity. Um, we can learn another way. And so it's, it goes right back to what I was saying before too about the teen drinking programs and needing to teach effective coping, not just um, punish or berate the ineffective coping. And I will say also, for parents out there, most of the time, if I've given a child an ACE questionnaire and a parent asks me, hey, can I take this for myself? Um, more often than not, the parent's ACE score is higher or quite high if the child's is quite high. More often than not, the parent's is higher than the child's, which is part of where we can see this kind of generational piece of ACEs being passed down. And the more parents are willing to recognize and say, hey, there's something here I want to do differently. There's something here I want to change, the better. And it's never, ever, ever too late to make those changes and be more resilient for yourself and your kids. Great ties to prevention, like you were saying before. Um, so important to you know, let our youth know how to cope with stressors, how we can cope with stressors too. I mean, that's so important. But Lisa, what um, resources do you recommend to listeners on this podcast? I know you mentioned some authors already. Um, any books or websites, anything like that, where we can learn more about ACEs? I would suggest 
um, The Book Change Your World by Michael Ungar, the book okay. The Deepest Well by Nadine Burke Harris. Um, and also Nadine Burke Harris has an amazing TED Talk that was, um, I'll, say, I'll say relatively recent and I think helped mainstream this idea of ACEs and primary care as well, helped mainstream it a lot more. And she's the individual that got this legislation going in California. And I just love her. She's my professional icon. Someday I'll get to meet her and tell her how awesome she is, but <laughs> anything by her, I would suggest. So I'll put some of those resources on our blog at jeffcodrugfree.org. But um, Lisa, what, um, what else do you want to tell our listeners today? I think two things. I think one of the biggest messages, and I've probably said it a million times already today, but just our ACEs aren't our destiny. Oftentimes when I train on ACEs, um, it's kind of a bummer, right? Because it's correlated to all these adverse health outcomes. And what I'll say is the more we get the word out there and the more people recognize ACEs, the more we're going to make changes to those statistics, the more we are going to decrease those chronic health outcomes, which I think is amazing because we know it now and now we can make changes. And then I think the last thing, I just have this really quick and I can um, have you put it on the blog too, mm-hmm. questionnaire. It's, it's called, have I acted in a trauma-informed way today? And people often ask me, okay, I, I recognize that trauma and ACEs are a problem. And now what can I do? And none of it, I'm none of it is gonna be groundbreaking, honestly. But these are the seven questions that at the end of the day, if you ask yourself, you have acted in a trauma-informed way today and you have impacted others in their resilience. It's was I friendly? Did I stop and think before responding to things, especially when I had strong feelings? Was I observant to how I impacted others? Did I show others that I value them? Did I try to see things from others' perspectives? Was I respectful of other people's personal space? And then lastly, was I patient? So none of those things are things we have to go out of our way to do or anything like that, but they are all ways that we can act in a trauma-informed way, whether someone has an ACE score of zero or an ACE score of 10, and it's going to help impact the resiliency of all of those people. I love how you can just incorporate these few simple steps to be trauma-informed and help build someone's resilience up because, you know, everyone goes through a difficult time at some point. And for us to just be able to handle some of those situations um, in a positive way and that you can help is a great gift. Um, So thank you so much, Lisa, for being on the podcast today. And all of our resources and links will be on jeffcodrugfree.org. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Emmy, and thank you for all you do. For information and resources mentioned on this podcast, go to our website at jeffcodrugfree.org.